0: Well, this has been amazing. I mean, I, I don't know who chose the songs for worship, but it really leads so well into what I had on my heart to share today. And, excuse me, I'll just start this because I have a tendency to go over time. Don't want to do that. So, yeah, and it was amazing. The worship was just amazing. And I don't know, if you were sitting down there in the, back three, three or four rows on this side, I really felt the presence of God while we were worshipping. And the singing was loud, hands being raised. It was just wonderful. And I felt it prepared my heart to come and open the Word because as we move into the Word of God, we don't actually leave worship. As we come into His Word, our hearts should remain open with the expectation the Holy Spirit will bring something that we need to us. And we want to hold on to that because it's so easy to walk out of here and, and the fellowship is great, the coffee's great, then we go home and have lunch, have our, well, if you're like me, Sunday afternoon snooze, and it's lost. And if we have any kind of an encounter with God, as, as Teddy was saying, any kind, we, we've got to hold on to it. And writing it down is part of holding on to it. So, <coughs> Father... thank you for the service today and I I sincerely believe that you have something to encourage all of our hearts with as you've been encouraging mine over the last few days thank you for the worship thank you for Teddy's comments also but most of all thank you for Jesus Christ that he has come and opened our eyes and opened our heart so that we may see the, the glory of God Lord may we see a glimpse of that again today in Jesus name Amen. We're doing a series called Thrive, and I think next week actually is the last one. Of course, our pastors, (coughs) Craig and Joseph, will be back, and they'll be taking it next week. But we've been really concerned about the stress that people are going through these days, and if you're new to the church here, I'm sure you're understanding what we're talking about. But every week there's families away with sickness, people being ground down with financial worries and, and worries with business and family relationships. There just seems to be no end to the pressure and the stress these days. And this series is designed to help us see beyond that and, and maybe step beyond that. And I'm hoping that this will do that today as well. You know, Paul, the apostle, he talked about (coughs) great, (coughs) excuse me, great Christian that he was. He talked about the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I do do, I don't want to do. And he said about this body of sin, who will deliver me from it? Thanks be to God. But who will deliver me from this body of sin? What's the body of sin? (coughs) It's the self. And it's a war. <clears throat> you see, we talk about sin, but we, we have a habit of thinking sin as individual actions we do that are bad or that that somehow confront God. You know, they minimise him in our lives. That's true. Those are sins, but really there's a body of sin underlying all of that. And it's the self. And there's a constant war with self. And it, this is implicit throughout the Bible somebody once said and I don't know who it was it said we, we are like we have two big dogs inside fighting each other a good dog and a bad dog and in the middle of it is self are we, are we going to yield to what God says or are we going to yield to what the flesh says to the temptation to the momentary pleasures that's the body of sin two dogs fighting over self This goes way back to the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Beautiful, delicious wisdom. The lust, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the pride of the life, it's there right evident in the garden for us. And ever since then, you and I, every human being on the planet, has struggled with what we call the Adamic sin, which is the core of the self within us. Now, back in the 80s and 90s, (coughs) excuse me, I remember psychology was making a great thing about self. And even today, you will see this all around. You know, the way to overcome depression or to feel better is to look at yourself. And even the church took hold of this back in the 80s and 90s. And they taught, you know, the the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbour as yourself, therefore, you must love yourself first, before you can love others and love God. But that's not actually what the Scripture says, because in the Greek, this is in Matthew um, 20, um, Matthew 22, and Luke 10. In the Greek, love others as you love yourself. That word "as" is actually saying, in that manner actual greek is in that manner love others in that manner that you love yourself it's like the golden rule do unto others as you would do for yourself and so it was never meant to be that we love ourselves first but the trouble is (coughs) it became very prevalent i don't know that it's so prevalent now but you may have come across that teaching but how deceptive it is as i was preparing this God really opened my eyes to some things in my life and you know I really respect Craig and and others who preach regularly because as you go through the word and preach on various topics you will always come to things where God really confronts you and you can be sitting down with your Bible and, and your computer and thinking I'm going to prepare a word for them and the word comes blasting in and knocks you over Well, this one was a tough one for me. Psalm 6. Oh, wrong one. I'm going to show you that one in a minute. I've lost Psalm 6 from my slides, but Psalm 63. Oh, there it is. Why am I not feeling this? I mean, let's be honest. We have a nice time of praise and worship in here, and we sense the presence of God. Oh, God, you are my God. I honestly search for you, and my soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. But let's be honest, how often do we feel that? I mean, this is where it hit me, bam, as I started preparing this message because this was in my daily reading. And I thought, you know, God, it's a long, long time since I have really felt this. How long is it since you've felt this? The awesomeness of God. I earnestly search for you. I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Can I really say that? Because life itself, 90% of it, if I'm honest, is this body of sin and it's not necessarily in big bad things we do I'm, I'm not a murderer or anything like that but how often self rises to the surface in my life now let's have that slide where are we guys oh, yeah thank you thank you for your patience with my slides we always, always seem to have trouble with the powerpoint Is God's way of making sure we stay grounded and humble. I drive for Uber delivery for my coffee money. And people know me generally as a pretty laid back sort of a guy and many years up in the Pacific Islands has taught me that. You have to be that to survive in those cultures. And, but, Put me behind the wheel in the right circumstances and something else comes up pretty easily. You know, I can be at the lights and they turn green, but my mind has drifted because I've been working all night and I'm tired and the smell of food in my car all night. I'm hungry and the light's green and, oh, gosh, i better get going because there's cars behind me. And I think, oh, well, that's OK. I'm tired. I'm busy. But let somebody else in front of me be holding me up when the light goes green and that's a beep. In fact, now it's a beat with a bit of anger in it. Familiar? This is my true test, is driving. And God showed me. These are little branches of the body of sin, of self. I've got to work to cut them off. But you see, you can cut them off for a while and they always sprout back. Even the other night, earlier last week, I took my, my thermal bag into a store to pick up somebody's dinner And there's another Uber driver in there without a bag. And I thought, good grief, who do you think you are? We have signed a thing to say we will always put a customer's food in a thermal bag. And here you are without your bag. Now, these people complain if their food's cold. And maybe they don't buy again. So it affects all of us in our livelihood. And you know, maybe I was factually right, but I was feeling superior. Self. It's self again. I'm always grading on the curve. I'm always thinking, well, you know, they should never have done that, but with me, there's a good reason, so it's okay. And there's a real problem with that. So where does self take you when something goes wrong? It takes you deeper into self. If you centre is taken away because somebody else holds you up at the lights, or they offend you without a thermal bag, or worse, then you feel the stress and self can grow. And your imagination and your mind starts feeding it, feeding the self. And if it's a direct affront to you, you drive away and you're carrying a grudge with you because your mind stews on it and plays it over and over maybe not about a thermal bag but about a serious assault on yourself from somebody else we need to center our life on something that's absolutely totally unchanging sovereign and secure and that's god he has to be our center now this is where i center Isaiah 6, 1 4, and Terry read it so well, and his comments really were so, so good and so pertinent. You see, King Uzziah was a great king, and he reigned for a long time, about 700 years before Christ. And it was a time of prosperity for Israel, well, for Judah. Israel had actually gone into captivity. Judah was prosperous under a good king, and um, well, 90% good. And he reigned for a long time, so the land enjoyed peace. But he died. He was a good king and he died. What's next? And and the Assyrians were coming from the north. And the Assyrians were a mighty army. And Judah was just a little pimple of a place on the map. And so this was a time of stress and uncertainty, perhaps a bit like what we have at the moment. Isaiah grew up in that and he was related well so they say he was related to the king that's Jewish tradition it's not actually in the Bible but it's believed he was part of the royal household so he was well educated and that's borne out by the fact of his book Isaiah because it's so well written that he's obviously intelligent well educated and a great orator because in those days oratory was the thing if you were any kind of a leader you had to be an orator, much more than written language. So Isaiah saw the King, the King of Kings. I just find it my Bible's new and the pages, pages stick together. He was sit- he saw <coughs> the Lord and he was sitting in the ho- in the lofty temple on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple and tending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Remember, Craig told us a few weeks ago what holy, holy, holy means when it's repeated three times. That's a device in the Hebrew language for emphasis and it's the same in the Greek they'll say holy, holy, holy it's the only place in the scripture where a word appears three times you know Jesus himself would say truly, truly that was an emphasis on it Um, it's interesting Revelation 21 talks about pure gold, well when you look in the original language it's saying gold, gold so the purest gold there is, is gold, gold so the holiest there is is not just holy, holy. This is holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. But what I want to mention on or, or focus on is glory. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now, that word glory is weight. It means weightiness. Here in Isaiah 6, it means weightiness, the weightiness of God. It's the permanent versus the temporal. It's the totally real versus the illusory or unreal. It's the substantial versus the abstract. Isaiah was seeing that the real king is not actually dead. The real king of the universe is sovereign over all. So Uzziah comes and Uzziah goes. The Assyrians will come and they will go. But over it all, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with His glory. And the temple shook. Now, if you get something that's weighty, say a boulder, and drop it in a big tub of water, what happens? You get displacement. And that's what happens in our lives when we see holy, holy, holy. We get displacement of self, of those little, irritating, selfish things that keep popping up in my life. The answer to that is holy, holy, holy is, Lord, I see these little things and I know what they mean. And, and I can work to cut them off but Lord it's not just the branches that need cutting off I need the root to be changed I need that Adamic sin to be changed in my life I need a vision of you that will displace all sin and you know that's why we're here brothers and sisters that's why Jesus left us here is so that we can live our life and we can learn to love him and we can reverence him and get a vision of him that will displace the sin in our life so that when it's time for us to go and be with Jesus, there's no sin left. That's the path we're on. And so I'm not surprised when these little things pop up. In fact, I thank God for it because, Lord, you're showing me so I can deal with it. Yes, I can stop thinking about that man and his not having his bag with him, but, oh, God, I've got to get a vision of you again because my heart needs some surgery. I've got to see the Lord high and lifted up. So the reality of God comes into my life. It displaces everything, and nothing will remain as it was eventually. My view of life, my view of God, my view of myself, it's all changing Every place in the Bible where God comes near, there's a shaking. We see it with Moses on Mount Sinai, the mountain shook. And, and, and here, of course, with Isaiah. But what about the upper room, the room shook? And the Apostle Paul, too, when he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. It's because of the glory. See, compared to the glory, the weightiness of who God is, Everything else has no weight. He's totally it. And notice that Isaiah didn't say, oh, good, there really is a God. See, Isaiah already believed in God. But this was something radically different. You see, God was just a concept to Isaiah until this point. And we all start out with God as a concept. And, and a concept fits in with my life. But we need to have God as a reality. A God as a concept can be shaped by me. God in his reality and his weightiness of his glory, it shapes me. And that's what we need, brothers and sisters, over and over again in our life. I don't want a God that fits around my existing patterns of thought, belief, and behaviour. I want a God that will totally change me to make me a radiant image of His Son Jesus Christ. That's what I want. I long for that, like Psalm 63. If belief in God hasn't changed you much, maybe you're a brand-new Christian, and that's fine, but understand he will want to change us, and that will include this sort of vision of him. There's plenty of people who believe in God as a concept, and they're happy with that, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, I I don't believe in evolution. I do believe there's a God creator. Or, yeah, I believe in God because I want to go to heaven. But if we get beyond that to where God is the reality in our life, we believe in God because he's awesome, because he's God. And yes, I expect to get to heaven. But that's secondary. There's just something about him that draws me into his presence. And I want to worship him and thank him because he's all I want and all I need, full stop. It's all about him, not what he does. And this is the vision Isaiah had in this life we are bombarded with temptations to keep self in the centre as our weighty reality. You know, there's all sorts of life hacks on the internet where if we're feeling depressed or feeling anxious or feeling down or doing this, or you know, go and buy yourself a cake. or go and do, You know, there's short-term fixes that can help us for a little while, but none of them, none of them are like seeing... Our God, high and lifted up. Holy, holy, holy. Because that overarches everything. The world, the flesh and the devil, they work together to keep me focused on self. And I read an interesting article, again, while I was thinking about this message where somebody, I read several Christian thinkers, um, I struggle with some of them, but I like to have my mind stretched as well as my heart stretched towards God. And one of them likened social media to Snow White. You know Snow White. Or mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? How many likes do I have? What? Now, that person consistently gets more likes than me. There's got to be something wrong with them. In fact, on the social media, it's so bad, even amongst Christians, that it becomes so personal, tearing each other down so that we can feel up. That's Snow White mirror, mirror on the wall, and after a while it becomes seeking to kill Snow White. And that's the trap we get into because self is going down that path. The more we feed it, Beautiful, delicious, and wisdom. That's what Eve saw. The tree was beautiful, the fruit was delicious, and she wanted wisdom. And that's what social media will give us. And that's fine. I'm not here to speak against social media, but we've got to understand what's going on. This is part of the war that's raging around us and in us, and we've got to win it. Advertising and movies is just the same. Live your life. Live your dreams. You deserve it. Choose your own path. These are the messages that are coming at us all the time. Oh, God, I want you. I want nothing but you and what you have for me. God won't share his glory with another. So we have a choice. Is it this body of sin that's going to be glorified, self that's going to be glorified, or is it him? Have you been into God's presence lately? Have you you ever come to him and said, Oh, God, I need you, full stop. Thank you for all you've done for me. Thank you for your gifts. But I want you. Draw me, draw me into a relationship with you that will change my life. So the reality of God taking the centre of our affections, our desires, and our life is what conquers sin in the long term. That's what puts it to death. And that's how I thrive. I mean, you. There's people in this room who will tell you that they've been crushed. They've been hurt. They've been devastated to the point of despair, but they've come through it and they've found God to be so much greater in their life than they've ever thought possible. And this is the thing I love about God. I've been through hard times and faced challenges, and I don't always get the answers. I don't feel I've had all the answers, but what I do get is more of him. It's just an expanded view of his glory. There's more weightiness of him now in my life and in my aspiration. And so we don't necessarily go to the temple like Isaiah did, but maybe we face really hard times. But if we go to God with it and say, oh, Lord, yes, there's things I can do to fix things in my life, but really what I need most of all is more of you, more of God, more weight, more glory, so life becomes beautiful, delicious, and we walk in wisdom like Eve wanted in the garden when she took the fruit. It comes through the reality of God in our lives. Jesus didn't die so I could have a safe and tidy life. He didn't die so I could be number one with my plans. So are you aware of a time when God went from concept to reality in your life? Don't worry, it's not... (laughs) It doesn't have to be like Isaiah. I mean, it's seldom dramatic like Isaiah. I mean, you go to the next book, Jeremiah, and his visitation from God was entirely different. He was a man who was trembling before God. I'm just a child. I can't do anything, Jeremiah said. Totally different to Isaiah, who ended up saying, here I am, Lord, send me. But in both cases, it was God. Showing up, bringing reality into their lives. Don't chase the experience. Don't chase the experience. You become a spiritist if you do that. There's plenty of weird experiences, and people will say, Oh, that was God. But we don't judge God by those things. Because, you know, even the devil works miracles, even r- false resurrection in the Bible. So we can be fooled very easily if we just chase the experience. We've got to chase the relationship. We've got to have the desire for him. We've got to be able to look honestly in this book like a mirror, like I did in in Psalm 93, and say, oh, God, it's been so long since I've actually felt this in my heart. I need to feel that again, Lord. I need your weight pressing down on me again, Lord. The trouble is, probably like Isaiah, I've been to so many worship services and I don't really expect much. Or I expect to see one or two of my friends and have a coffee afterwards, but am I really expecting to meet with God? And yet this morning I felt I did during the worship. It was wonderful. His presence was there. I don't want to be like that, just doing it all by rote, expecting what self wants and forgetting almighty God. Do you hunger? Do you hunger like I do? Now I've got a nasty slide coming up. Is God only a concept in your life? I have to put this in because it's very practical. This is my little test sheet for me and I think it would work for you too. Do you worry over small things? Are you anxious about things that you have no control over? too busy for the spiritual. Wow, I really struggle with this on these cold mornings. Just pull the blankets up and stay in bed a bit longer and forget about the Bible. Are we bitter or unforgiving in any relationships? A lack of compassion for the lost? Impatience or anger? You know, a lot of people will say, well, I'm not an angry person. And I'm not an angry person, but that impatience at the traffic lights that I described is actually anger. I'm angry because self has been obstructed. I don't want to be angry like that. Or number six, do you trust yourself more than you trust God? And of course, these aren't things that can change just like that and we're all cured by next Friday. These are lifelong, lifelong tasks that we work on. So the answer is we must cut off the branches in faith. Lord, help me. Help me not to delay at the lights and help me not to get impatient. If it happens to me again, Lord, by your spirit, just prompt me to relax and not toot the horn. You know, we we ask him for the practical help to cut off that branch. But with it as well, when I get up in the morning and I have my quiet time or even when I'm putting my head on my pillow at night, I think back over the day, that's right i I got impatient at the traffic light god i I not only need your help with that, I want you, Lord, the reality of you to come into my life and displace that rubbish. I want you to be my all in all, Lord, give me the desire for you so what changed Isaiah well. We'll go through it quickly, because my time is up. He had an experience of radical awesomeness when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and an experience of radical humility. Oh, woe is me. I am undone. And he had an experience of radical purity where verse uh, six and seven, the seraph takes the coal with the tongs and brings it to his lips to cleanse him. That's what we need. This is true humility because every move I make towards reality leaves me feeling worthless. And that doesn't mean I have a self-image problem that means I have a Christ image. That means I want to be what he says I am, not what my body of sin says I am. And so humility is a big part of it. Job said, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Peter said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And of course, Isaiah, Woe is me. Woe is a curse. I'm cursed. I am undone. I am crushed. Have you ever felt that? If not, ask God for it. He'll bring it into your life. But at the end of it, you'll just be so different, so much better, so closer to him. Or maybe you have had it, but not for a long time, a bit like me. We've slipped away and gone cold and haven't even noticed. Ask him for it. 2,000 years ago, there was a man of radical awesomeness, radical purity and radical humility. He lived a perfect life amongst us, yet men hated and killed him. He'd known perfect uh, fellowship with perfect reality for all of eternity. Can you imagine it? No, we can't, not really. But he gave it all away for our sake, to be abused, and hung on a cross. The temple was shaken, and the universe was shaken, and even the sun disappeared. And he did it all to conquer my body of sin, myself, in this life, so I can thrive through this life into the next glorious eternal life with him. That's what it's all about. Oh, what an awesome Savior. What an amazing God. This is how we thrive. Lord, let's pray. Lord, we need you to be the utmost reality in our life. Help us with this. And you knew, Lord, that we would be full of sin and self-seeking. You knew that we'd slip away and have times of coldness where we're really just going through the motions with you. You know all of that, and yet still, Lord, you're patient, you're waiting, you call us to come. And so, Lord, we want to come. We want to come close to you. We want to see your glory in a way that changes our life forever. As I pray, I'm thinking of a funeral I went to years ago where this man chose the song for the funeral. And it was Frank Sinatra's, I did it my way. Oh, God, save us from that. We don't want to do it our way and have to answer for that on the day of judgment. Help us to act more against our inward blindness than our outward activities. Help us to seek an encounter with you that you might be glorified in our life and we might thrive in Jesus' name. Amen.